Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Nerdy. I'm Justice. Glad to have you here. I'm sure that you realize that this is Dragon Ball Z's intro song. Uh, Dragon Ball Z originated here in the West on Toonami, as I'm sure a lot of you know, seeing how it is literally the grandfather of bringing anime into our culture. So I want to take a look at that today, give some praise to Dragon Ball Z and all of their music, uh, as well as where it came from and um, how it developed and how it, it changed our perception of anime here in the West. So, yeah, hope you're enjoying the song. All right, so let's get started. Um, uh, Toonami originated on Cartoon Network in 1996, but before that, uh, Cartoon Network originated in 1992. Um, so, and before that, Cartoon Network um, was an idea from Ted Turner, the same guy who created the 24-hour CNN uh, first ever 24-hour live news channel uh, was the owner and creator of Toonami and Cartoon Network. But if we go back all the way to the early 80s with Kira Toriyama, the original writer and um, manga for the manga of Dragon Ball, uh, we can see that uh, it originated, uh, like I said, by Kira Toriyama in the early 80s, and it was first brought to the anime in 1989 and ran to and finished and completed the original Dragon Ball Z series in 1996 in Japan. But it was brought over from uh, Japan into uh, North America back in 2000 and I believe it was 6 is when it first started airing. May have been 5, but Let's talk about the beginnings of Cartoon Network. Uh, Cartoon Network originated in 2002, or not 2002, sorry, 1992. And at this time frame, there was no such thing as a channel on television that was designed specifically for viewing cartoons. You know, everyone was really skeptical back then. It's not like it is nowadays where you have cartoons. There's literally multiple channels just dedicated to cartoons. At this time, you have to see that it was something that has never been done before. And what happened was um, the Cartoon Network was designed specifically to target old school cartoons when it first came around. Uh, you're, you're talking about Tom and Jerry and old Disney cartoons that originally aired in the like 60s and 70s on the big, you know, on the silver screen. And after obtaining the rights to that, yeah, that's uh, Disney, old school Disney used to be on Cartoon Network. That's crazy to think about today since ha Disney has multiple um, channels for themselves, but it did originate that way. So what ended up happening and I think this is really cool, is after a couple of years of getting these rights and airing it, um, Cartoon Network started losing viewership. That part's not cool. But so they started looking elsewhere for entertainment that they could bring in that would be moderately cheap, you know. So they started looking at anime, 
And in 1994, they had their anime block like three movies that they played back to back. Um, but shortly after that, they started introducing what uh, would be considered the after school action pack shows for cartoons, um, which would include, you know, shows that were a little more violent, a little more graphic that would air, you know, about three to six because they uh, they realized that's when the older kids get home. And so uh, that slowly morphed into Toonami. And Dragon Ball as a series at this time it was up there, and it still is, as Pokemon. And at the time, uh, I know this would be hard to believe now, but Sailor Moon was just as popular as Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z. And Sailor Moon was actually brought into Toonami before Dragon Ball Z was. But it was shortly after that, whenever uh, Dragon Ball Z started uh, their first ever debut in uh, on Cartoon Network. And it was an amazing, amazing thing. Yes, and that is Dragon Ball Z. That iconic music cannot be mistaken for anything else 
in the um, entire anime industry. All You'll notice that every Dragon Ball Z song has the same core of instruments that... Um, it was all synthetically made, but it has the same type of feel, the same type of of, of grit to it. Uh, that song right there was the Goku uh, Super Saiyan Three Transformation One. Um, there was there is multiple ones, but uh, so let's get back into Dragon Ball Z. Uh, so it originally started with Dragon Ball, which was a little boy. That And it's crazy to think about. In episode one, you see him right outside of a broken ship. And it's, and you're like, all right, interesting. A little boy with a tail. And his adventures of growing up. And uh, it goes on from there until he reaches adulthood where you start Dragon Ball Z. And that continues on through the Frieza saga, the Cell saga, and the Boo saga. Um but let's get back to the history of Dragon Ball and the influence that it had on, uh, you know, our culture as a whole. So at the time when Dragon Ball Z started airing in Funimation, uh, Cartoon Network told Funimation, hey, you know, uh, we want to be able to air these episodes. And they were heavily edited, uh, edited in comparison to what the rest of the world was getting. But since it was a time before the Internet was really huge... Uh, American audience didn't quite realize the fact that they were missing a lot of content and it was still received very well. There was only about 46 uh, episodes which would go from uh, the very beginning of Dragon Ball Z all the way up until Goku landed on Namek and then it would repeat over and over and over because Funimation outsourced the dubbing of the Dragon Ball Z to a Canadian group um, I believe their name is it's blue something or ocean blue ocean that's it and um what ended up happening after that is they continued to air the episodes over and over on repeat until you got to the point to where the first three movies that was created for dragon ball z was also dubbed over um, by the blue by the blue ocean um outsourced group in canada as well and this led to some very interesting and well-known, um, well, in the 90s, they were well-known, uh, voice actors coming in to sponsor this, like Don Levante. He came in, to, uh, which, by the way, in the 90s, just in case you don't know, he's the guy that did all of the commercials for all the movies um, in the 90s. He came in and actually cut commercials for these three movies that aired on Cartoon Network and it's it's really interesting hearing someone that's so well known in the industry doing a cut for an anime back when anime was was literally unknown to the general public. But so what ended up happening after that is the three uh, movies that were not heavily edited. They they showed all of the content as it originally aired in Japan, uh, just with American uh, with English voice actors. So what ended up happening is that was received so well that Cartoon Network went back to Funimation and said, hey, we want some more episodes and we want you to finish out the Frieza saga and the Garlic saga and we're willing to pay big for that. So they went in-house for that and, um, you know, they did what they did. They got it voice uh, voiceovers.
just love those sick guitar riffs. And Dragon Ball Z, it really does bring back so many memories. You know, I remember coming home as a kid uh, from the school bus, hopping off and going up to my grandma's and, um, you know, going up to my grandma's. And by the time that I got up there, uh, it was time for the action pack tsunami power hour. Uh, where you would have Tom, who was the uh, host for Toonami. But I want to talk about Toonami for a second. Toonami was such an amazing uh, like evolution of where the Cartoon Network started. You know, originally Toonami, like I stated earlier, developed because that's when older kids would come home from um, doing whatever it was they were doing at school. And they would end up coming back to their you know, home or residence or whatever. And they would want to watch something that was a little bit more tailored to them. And ultimately this led to Tom on Toonami, which was a graphics engineered little robot guy who would uh, basically give you 30 second blurbs about the TV show. And a lot of people have really great memories of Toonami and Tom in general, because it he was able to, emphasize what the show was about and what the episode was about in such a small frame of time that it just it coincides with the you know the the beginning of the anime boom because he was able to convince you hey if you've never seen this before this is why you're going to want to stick around and so whenever dragon ball z started airing on toonami like i said for the first couple of years they repeated the first uh 40 odd episodes until the three mo- first three movies were played in their original cuts with just American dub or English dub. And what this led to was Cartoon Network knocking on Funimation's door and saying, hey, could we please have more of this? Because they kept receiving fan mail of thousands and thousands and thousands of letters saying, hey, man, we want to know what happens next. Goku made it to Namek. Um, long story. I cannot even begin to explain the whole storyline of Dragon Ball Z, but I'm sure you already know. And if you don't, you know, I'm sure you know at least who Goku is and Piccolo because let's be frank, they've, they've been everywhere and they've invaded every part of entertainment. (laughs) So um, what ends up happening after that is Funimation no longer has the funds to outsource the dubbing of of Dragon Ball Z at this time. So they have to do it inside, you know, in-house. So they start holding voice, um, you know, uh, voiceovers uh, competitions to see who who would get what voice and which sounds the best for what character. And those are the characters that everyone comes to know and love, the voices. Uh, Originally, uh, if you go back and listen to the Blue Ocean version of the first 40-odd episodes and then go back and listen to the Funimation in-house dubbed version, there is a mass difference in the voice quality and what they're able to get away with because since Cartoon Network went back to um, uh, Fun- Funimation to get them to renew this, uh, Funimation said, yeah, on one condition. The condition is we have the right to air it in its entirety without censorship and they were given no censorship
Hey there. And so, yeah, let's get back to it, shall we? Dragon Ball Z. A- a- after Funimation made the deal with Cartoon Network to air uh, the remaining of the Frieza saga and the Garlic saga, we, that's whenever it was about 1999 when this happened. And this is whenever Cartoon Network decided they needed a Saturday morning cartoon lineup. And so as the continuation of Dragon Ball Z aired from the Namek Saga all the way up through the Frieza Saga, the Garlic Saga was put specifically on during Saturday morning cartoons. Um, Even though it had um, less of a censorship, they did allow for certain curse words and they, it was a little more gory, and it wasn't. There was no like editing out or cropping the frame to remove certain things. At this point, uh, this is whenever Funimation said, "We can do the rest of the series um, if you're guaranteeing us contract. We'll go ahead and uh, dub the rest of the series." And so they did. Uh, after that, there was a continuous like new episode every Wednesday, and and. Since um, Funimation got so far ahead, they made it to where there was a new episode every Wednesday and Friday, and uh, it really pulled in the uh, North American audience into anime because it was. And the um, if you look at the 1999 to 2004 um, viewing audience of Dragon Ball Z, uh, it ranged from nine to 36 was the average viewer. And it was pulling in so many, so many, so much of audience, not only male but female as well, that Cartoon Network said there is definitely something here. At this point, Sailor Moon kind of fell off, and uh, some of the other Toonami shows that were originally aired um, had been faded out, like Johnny Quest, uh, that they got the rights to whenever Cartoon Network first started. Uh, but these were faded out as more anime was brought in. And this would ultimately lead to a secondary Cartoon Network channel known as Boomerang, where they would air the original shows that they had the rights to. But this happened uh, long before um, really any sort of, uh, like, before, or this happened long before Dragon Ball Z finished. But as Dragon Ball Z continued airing, in North America, uh, you started seeing things like Inuyasha and um, other uh, great early 2000 animes take over.
Yes, and this is the Ultra Instinct Goku song, uh, where Goku went Ultra Instinct in Dragon Ball Super, which is what we're going to talk about coming up. Because after uh, Funimation aired or dubbed the Cell Saga, Android Saga, Cell Saga, and um, Boo Saga, and basically all the way up to the end of Z, uh, Kira Toriyama, the original creator who also wrote the scripts for the anime, um, was approached and said, and was told, hey, this is extremely profitable and we do not want it to come to an end. And Akira Toriyama was not happy with doing Dragon Ball Z because it was literally sacrificing his health. Every day, it was Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Z. He had no time for vacation. I believe he went 15 years without taking a day off of work because it required him. If you go back and watch the original Dragon Ball Z, you will see that there are so many filler episodes and arcs that are not in the original manga because the anime would catch up to the manga and then they were like, uh-oh, um, Akira Toriyama, what do we do now? And he's like, I've not written the next chapter yet. Like, So they would do a bunch of filler episodes and they would draw it out. But if you go back now and watch the Dragon Ball Z Kai, it's 100% accurate to the manga. It's removed all of the filler, and which I believe the filler is okay because it gives character development. And it's kind of a slice of life episodes where you get to see how everyone interacts when the world's not in peril. But uh, a lot of people don't like that because they consider it non-canon, even though he would, uh, Kiritori Yama would would literally float the ideas to the animators and the produ uh, production team of the anime and would say, hey, I'm not done yet. Throw in something like this. But, you know, what is really canon? I guess it's whatever you make it right. <laughs> um, so after Dragon Ball Z uh, finished up airing in 2002 in America, we got another creation, Dragon Ball GT. What is Dragon Ball GT? <laughs> in my opinion... A mistake!
Dragon Ball Z finished its original runtime in 2002. What does this mean? This means that uh, originally Dragon Ball GT came back. Um, Dragon Ball GT was referred to as Goku time because he's really the only character that uh, got any love in Dragon Ball GT. And it was considered by the fans to be non-canon because Akira Toriyama he really needed to take a break and he decided... I can't continue doing this. So it was made by primarily the marketing team in order to try to um, continue on with the profit revenue. <laughs> so what ended up happening after that is GT was a flop. And so Dragon Ball, the original anime from the original that was released before Dragon Ball Z started in 1989, was dubbed over for American audience. And at this point, it's clear to see how anime had has changed and evolved because if you go back and watch the original uh dub of dragon ball there is it it's on a whole nother level of like there's no way that it would have ever aired in the early and mid 90s in america only because of how much profanity and um how risque it was so and that's the reason why most that's what that's the, really the reason why anime as a whole took so long to get a grasp here in North America because the audience here was not used to having an an animated or a cartoon show that was a little more risque and a little more um you know out of the ordinary when it comes to uh, adult topics you know it's because at the same time when this was airing you had things like Fresh Prince of Bel Air and like full house so you know there was a big contrast there and once uh, dragon ball gt aired it was considered such a failure that it was shortened to ab about 65 episodes where the original um dragon ball z had over 270 episodes if that puts it in perspective for you or approximately 270 episodes kai dragon ball z kai shortened that dramatically like i said Dr kai removes a lot of the filler um, but, uh, so then there was silence and then 2012 came along where Kai, uh, or 2009, excuse me, was starting to air on Cartoon Network after, um, on April 1st of 2008, uh, Cartoon Network aired, uh, in old, um, days worth of Cartoon Network from the nineties. And so basically they copied and pasted a run, run time of 24 hours of like a 1998 to 1999, um, you know, time frame, and they popped it in for 24 hours back, uh, you know, in the um, late 2000s. And so this was received so well because people had, uh, it's been so long since people saw the original Dragon Ball Z episodes that they received so much positivity that they decided to um, bring it up to HD quality and bring it into an, a ratio that would actually fit modern TVs. So they did that and called it Dragon Ball Z Kai. Uh, and this is bec and before this, from uh, 2004, which is about where the GT crashed and burned, up until uh, 2008, 2009, whenever uh, Kai came out, their only way to see the episodes were in the orange box set. 
and those were extremely rare and expensive. You're looking at 200 and plus dollars for the box set. And uh, needless to say, uh, as of right now, they're worth like quadruple that amount because they're the only way to get the original aspect ratio in its original quality from the dub team. Nowadays, whatever type of dub you get is a cropped image, and a lot of fans do not like that, only for the reason that it kind of takes away from background knowledge, you know, like when you have people charging up or you have people, you know, like yelling for 10 minutes because, you know, that's a thing in Dragon Ball Z. Um, but yeah, so here's another song. I hope you enjoy it from the DBZ's timeline.
if you notice, this song has a little more or a little higher quality when it comes to production value. Uh, that's because this song uh, comes later on in the series in Dragon Ball Super. Specifically, it had a movie budget because this song comes um, from the uh, what is it called? The Battle of Gods movie, which is what we're getting into next, which led into Dragon Ball Super. In 2014 uh, or 15, you see that Dragon Ball Z got a... Well, there was an evolution movie made in the uh, late 2000s that was so horrible that Kira Toriyama, Kira Toriyama decided that he needed to come back in order to actually justify the popularity of the anime since... Um, you know, uh, Hollywood bought the rights to make a live-action movie, and it tanked because, of course, Hollywood did tank the movie. You know, they didn't live, or they didn't do justice to the anime whatsoever. So what ended up happening is he released the Battle of Gods, which is the last known item to have the Dragon Ball Z logo to date when it comes to t in the time frame. It was later redone in the Dragon Ball Super, the first arc, the Battle of God arc, and then it was taken on from there and continued all the way through, um, you know, the time trunks arc, uh, or uh, um, time traveling trunks arc, excuse me. And then the uh, world tournament, or not world tournament, the universe, the 12 universe tournament that went on at the end where Ultra Instinct Goku came out to play. And what was interesting about that is because it's it's received so well even to modern day audience um, that next year at at the Olympics Goku from Dragon Ball Z is actually um, the mascot for uh, for the Olympics and right beside Mario and everybody knows who Mario is and this is how uh, anime first started in North America and it all goes back to thanking Pokemon, Sailor Moon and of course Dragon Ball Z the, the one and only that was able to break their way into the American audience I hope you've enjoyed this this has been Let's Talk Nerdy with Justice see you next week, same time, same place 9 to 10, Tuesday next week's uh, topic Nightmare Before Christmas Halloween week See you then.